coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. She worked a lot, so I had to kind of be self-sufficient from a young age. And I can remember first few times uh, trying to make myself eggs and, uh, you know, a lot of crunchy eggs later, I finally <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> kind of broke away and started Sunshine Eats. Uh, and we actually did that three weeks before the pandemic hit. So we incorporated oh. on March oh. 3rd. Wow. And uh, March 13th, we did our last catering. So oh. two weeks. Not oh, even. Man. Oh, my yeah, goodness. So, and she chose to eat really healthy. And we noticed that there was this huge lack of open availability for healthy, nutritious food that, that actually tasted good. Mm-hmm. And that was available around the clock. And I said, well, you know, there's, there's got to be an opportunity there. So I set out to find the solution. And that's kind of how Kiosk Kitchen was born. What I can say is, is, is imagine watch, walking up to one of these kiosks and on a large LED screen, you're actually greeted by a chef, a digital chef, obviously. Cool. Uh, and he says, you know, hi, welcome to Kiosk Kitchen. What can I prepare for you? Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Chef A.J. Lambden. A.J. has chefed it up all around downtown St. Pete, and now he's the founder and operator at Kiosk Kitchen. After A.J., we make the best baked chicken thighs from St. Pete Meat and Provisions. We We have have a great great show, so stick around. around. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? 
They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 10.30, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. Where can you find the freshest fish in St. Pete? Well, you can't get fresher than caught that day. That's what you'll find at Trophy Fish. The Day Boat Special includes the fresh catch of the day, cooked how you want it, with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce. They also have some incredible appetizers, like grilled street corn that's like crack, that stuff's so good, incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more. You will also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand, like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept Bait Shop Chic. So head on down to Trophy Fish, where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District. They are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch and at 5 for dinner. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Please welcome the founder and operator at Kiosk Kitchen St. Pete, Chef A.J. Lambden. Welcome, A.J. Good morning. Good morning. And, you know, you have... Pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You have great video quality and great sound quality, and you're coming to us from Cabo. (laughs) Yes, I am. Yes, I am. That's pretty cool. We'll get some good uh, Mexican food while you're there. Food so far has been pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. So I can't wait to talk about Kiosk Kitchen as it's unique and different. So, you know, we always love something new and different. But first, let's learn a little bit about you, AJ. I see from your Facebook that you are originally from Oklahoma. Yeah, born in uh, Altus Air Force Base, Oklahoma. My mom was uh, a non-commissioned female officer in the Air Force for almost 22 years, retired as a master sergeant. So wow. I'm very proud of her. Great woman. Kind of a badass. I don't know if I can cuss or not. But. <laughs> of course you, you can. can say that. She's, uh, she's, uh, yeah, she's my rock, man. And uh, I'm very thankful to have uh, had the disciplines that I did through her. And uh, I love her deeply. Cool. That's yeah, it's real awesome. big for having the Air Force Base there, right? And, and that's about, oh, yeah. uh, about 140 miles southwest of Oklahoma City, about a two, two and a half hour car ride, according to Google. Yeah, it's just... It's just east of Amarillo, Texas. Uh, just as soon as you get over the border of Oklahoma, Texas, right where the Red River is, maybe oh, about cool. another 30, 45 minutes north. So what was it like growing up there? 
Um, it, I, from what I remember, I mean, I was on base housing until I was, I think it was seven or eight. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we moved to Florida here, but uh, it, it was great. I mean, it was, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, Oklahoma is really known for one thing and that's where the wind comes sweeping across the plains. So, <laughs> other than that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot going on. And uh, I spent most of my time kind of just hanging out on the air force base and uh, watching the planes come and go on the flight line and uh, you know, cool. kind of just tinkering around. So your family moved to Florida when you were eight, was it uh, right to St. Peter or elsewhere? So my mom and I, after uh, she and my father separated, we moved to uh, Clearwater, which is where the rest of my family was. So all of her sisters, my grandma and grandpa, uh, aunts and uncles, all all were here in in, uh, Clearwater. Uh, And I gradually made my way down to St. Pete, uh, but for the most part, all in Pinellas County since since we got here. So did you graduate from Clearwater High? No, my mom did, though. My mom oh, did. I did. I did too. <laughs> yeah. My mom was uh class of 69, I believe it was. Well, that's when I was born, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, wow. I just gave my age away. Huh. So, so I take it since you have so much family here in Pinellas, you, you probably don't go back to Oklahoma much. No, I've actually not been back since we moved. That's it. I've always kind of wanted to like do a pilgrimage back. It's a civilian air patrol base now. And there's, there's not even an air force base there anymore. And truthfully, there's really been no attraction except for the the birthplace uh, to go back there. Right. Right. So how'd you decide to move to St. Pete? Well, we were living in Clearwater, uh, kind of moved down. And truthfully, what brought me to St. Pete was the, the restaurant scene. Uh, I wanted to go where I knew I had the best chance of working for a, a decent upscale restaurant. Uh, when I, you know, decided that St. Pete was a town that I had kind of started to fall in love with. I'd worked in Tampa. I'd worked in Sarasota. But St. Pete just had this draw that I couldn't get away from. And it, it, it pulled me in and I've been in love with it ever since. <laughs> so, so were you already in the culinary field before you came to St. Pete then? I was, yeah. So I came to St. Pete uh, 12 years ago. Um, okay. And I had been working uh, in Tampa and Sarasota before that. So I worked for Hyatt. I worked for Weston and Ebrands, uh, mostly corporate. I also worked at St. Pete Beach for the Don Cesar at Maritana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had always heard everybody talking about, you know, you got to go to beach drive. You got to go to downtown St. Pete. That's where it's at. So, mm-hmm. uh, after, you know, falling out of love with the other locales of Tampa and Sarasota, I, I came down one day and, uh, had a handful of resumes and said, you know, I'm going to go to the best restaurants I can find on beach drive and otherwise, and see what happens, you know, and I was swinging for the fences. And thankfully I, uh, found a home at, at Cassis over a decade ago. Nice. Wow. Yeah, I've been here in St. Pete for 12 years also. So March 09 for me. If yeah, right around the same time. August, August of 09 yeah. was when I came down here. But I do recall, I think it was shortly after I started at Cassis that we met. Uh, I remember there was a memory that came up on my timeline not too long ago with you in a, a gray and green checkered uh, plaid <laughs> suit. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was way back when. I mean, God, I was much skinnier and... Uh, <laughs> me you know, too that's who still in the work <laughs> still in the working life back then so you know i didn't have the girlish figure that i do now so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so yeah so you were a sous chef at cassis and that's that kitchen yeah. is humongous man you're talking about uh it is. you know 
airports and stuff. You could land a plane in that kitchen. Practically. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, that place is a juggernaut, you know, I mean, it's done some substantial volume over the years. I, I, I quiver at the thought of trying to calculate exactly how many meals have come out of that kitchen. It's, mm-hmm. it's an astronomical number. I know it is. I mean, the hotline alone was 40 linear square feet, just a cook's wow. cooktop. Wow. So, yeah, yeah I, it's, it's actually, massive. I think that kitchen is about, <laughs> about the size of my condo, except I think, it, maybe, I think it might be bigger. <laughs> it might be bigger. Cause Jeremy did take us on a, on a tour of the kitchen once. So we have seen the whole behind the scenes. <laughs> Yeah, don't forget about the walk-ins, the bakery, the bakery storage, and dry storage. I mean, that it's pretty expansive. It's pretty huge. expensive. So, just go, going back for a little bit, what led you to the culinary field? Is it something you always wanted to do? Happened by mistake? <laughs> no, truthfully, it was something that I think was always deeply ingrained in me because uh, I can remember when I was tall enough to reach the trash can back in Altus, uh, I always used to put the cutting board on there. And when mom was cooking dinner, I was always like, I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. And I would try and cut onions. And, you know, it was the only surface that I could reach at the time. It was flat. So (laughs) she would put the cutting board on there for me and she'd let me help in in my best efforts, you know, and God bless her heart. You know, she was, uh, she worked a lot. So I had to kind of be self-sufficient from a young age. And I can remember, First few times uh, trying to make myself eggs and, uh, you know, a lot of crunchy eggs later, I finally <laughs> figured it out. Yeah, but I've always, I've always known that, you know, there was a, a, a kind of a deeply intrinsic passion for me in cooking. And what I figured out later on, and it is what finally started to bring me happiness in cooking, was that what I really enjoyed was being able to target, you know, shared experiences with people and mm-hmm. being able to you know, connect and craft something that I know somebody's going to love and, uh, you know, something that I get to actually see uh, the appreciation on their face. Like that's always been really huge for me. And I didn't figure that out right away, but once I did, it was uh, no holds barred. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, we've heard, I can't remember from who, is it who or whom? Yes. But we have heard before uh, in interviewing at least one other chef where, you know, their, their mom worked a lot and they had to kind of be self-sufficient. I wonder how many people in that situation were led to the culinary field. Right. Uh, I don't know. That's probably a good question. I mean, you know, naturally there's probably a lot of statistics that show most of the people in the culinary world probably didn't have the most affluent upbringing. And, uh, you know, because if, if you did, you know, you did something smart. You went to college, you went and, and, and learned a good trade or you're a lawyer or a doctor. Um, and I, I think through my experience, a lot of the, the culinarians that I've worked with, you know, I think it, it was based out of a necessity of self-sufficiency and, and you know, a lot of different reasons, uh, most of which, you know, kind of stem back to, you know, have been, having to be self-reliant. So then after Cassis, what was your next move? So after Cassis is when we opened proper uh, with the hunger and thirst. Oh, group. right. Right. That's the missing piece I forgot about. Right. I knew there was something. Poor right. proper. Right. <laughs> Which is where Park and I, uh, Rec is located now. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a ton of fun. And it was a pleasure to work with Steven and his team at hunger and thirst. And, you know, the building that place was really awesome. And I've always been kind of a hands-on guy. So it was really cool kind of hanging the butcher paper holders for the daily specials boards, kind of helping design the kitchen and, you know, building out the, the equipment and the logistics. That's always been 
really enjoyable for me. I love designing kitchens for speed and proficiency. And um, yeah, that, that, that really jazzes me up. Like I really, really enjoy new build out and creating something out of nothing. And then, you know, kind of crafting, uh, especially that type of food, barbecue and, you know, Southern cuisine have always been like my favorites yeah. for sure. I love comfort food and barbecue is just a labor of love. So. Yeah. I remember back then doing early morning walks, like six or 7.00 AM in the morning. And you, you'd see the giant smoker out back and there'd be a guy just sitting there watching the smoker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, I did that many times, many times. <laughs> yeah, because that was a 24 hour operation when we first started, because that was a 2000 gallon regular standard offset smoker uh, right. before wow. we got the automatic oiler unit. So, yeah, that had to be tended six days a week, 24 hours a day. And then on Sunday, we rested and cleaned it, and you know, got it ready for the next week. <laughs> was that uh, end of 2016, beginning of 2017? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. I think it actually opened, uh, I think it was 18 months for build out. We opened in, I think, I believe it was August of 2017. Don't quote me on that. Right. Okay. Right. Cause I remember we, we started foodies September, 2016. And I know we had one or two write-ups on proper. Right. Yeah. We did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a great place. I think they were just great ones be... at that too. <laughs> What's that? Oh yeah. Totally. Great ones at that too. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we loved proper. We I, did. I think it was probably just ahead of its time for St. Pete. Oh, for Perhaps. sure. For sure. And I think, uh, I think the location of it also, it was great when, you know, the world of beer space was vacant. Uh, and I think what they did after uh, world of beer, what was formerly world of beer, what is now parks and rec came into the picture. Uh, I think it, it only made sense to, you know, kind of meld the concepts between Avenue and parks and rec. So I think they mm -hmm. did a phenomenal job at the transition. And truthfully, I, I would love to see another concept like that you know, again, nowadays. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's frequently, um, you know, well attended I'll say. And I, one time I remember we were walking past our shout out to our, our friend, Rick Neef. We're walking past park and rec and he just looks at it and he goes, he's just printing money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And uh, hello to Rick as well. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. The amount of I don't know, I guess profitability that you can see. I mean, it's just, I, I didn't think you could fit that many people in there. Like you said, <laughs> right. very well attended, very right. well attended. It's very well attended. That's the way I chose to describe it in <laughs> pandemic times. Yeah, but I think we went yeah. once and that was friends and family when there was hardly well, anyone yeah. there well, and we got to play it, something. It's it's a younger crowd. Yeah, than, it is. And we we kind yeah. of, we, we like the weird older people. Like, like, is that my dad? We're already the weird older <laughs> <Yeah>. people. <laughs> First so of then, all, What's yeah. the problem with being weird? <laughs> and with age comes wisdom, and that's my group. So I'm all hey, about that. There you go. I'm not really into the younger demographic anymore myself either. Yeah. You're wise beyond your years. Well, thank you, AJ. Thank you. Yes. So then you, you also Thanks, had a couple of other businesses. Uh, you told me briefly on the phone yesterday about Catering St. Pete and Sunshine Eats. Was that yep. next or... Or is there some? Yeah, no. Things? So uh, after that, there was another small stint. Uh, so I returned back to Cassis kind of uh, truthfully after proper. That was uh, that was something that I had really kind of set out to be kind of a five year plan uh, and had given a lot of blood, sweat and tears to trying to make it as successful as possible. And uh, after we decided that we were going to go to uh, to this other concept, uh, 
you know, it, it, I wanted to go back somewhere that I was familiar until I could really land my feet back on the ground and figure out what the next step was. And Cassis at that point was, was a welcomed, uh, you know, kind of open door. Jeremy and, and Trevor over at Cassis have always been extremely um, great to me. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the opportunities that they've always presented for me. So it was, it was kind of an easy transition when I was kind of a little bit lost after proper. So they welcomed me back in with open arms and uh, I knew that it was something that I could just go into and kind of flip the light switch, if you will. Uh, until I figured out what the next step was. And uh, I think I did that for almost 18 months. And that was when uh, I was blessed enough to get the opportunity to work with uh, one, one gentleman, I'm sure you guys know, Josh Cameron from Central Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, another gentleman, I, I won't bring his name up, but um, yeah, it was, it was a great opportunity. We all kind of, you know, sat down one day and we said, Hey, you know, we kind of see that there's this, this space or this market that really isn't being uh, capitalized on. Do we want to give this a shot? So we started catering St. Pete. Uh, we did catering St. Pete for, I believe it was almost 18 months, had a great following, uh, great client base, uh, got a lot of the, the large corporations and we found this really fine niche of being able to do kind of the, the weekly or almost uh, daily healthy lunch caterings. And, and that seemed to be a good staple for us. But after doing that for about 18 months, you know, there was there was a need for a little bit of a separation from the way that things were going at the time. And that's when uh, myself and this other partner kind of broke away and started Sunshine Eats. Uh, and we actually did that three weeks before the pandemic hit. So we incorporated oh. on March oh. 3rd. Wow. And uh, March 13th, we did our last catering. So oh. two weeks. Wow. Not oh, even. Man. Oh my yeah. Goodness. So that, that presented its own set of challenges, obviously, because at that point, you know, a newly established business with no previous financials, no guaranteed future sales, you know, conceivably with, with the pandemic, it made it really difficult to, to keep the doors open on Sunshine Eats. Right. You know, we had the kitchen, we had all of the equipment, but we didn't have the business and we certainly couldn't get any loans or PPP. So uh, that's kind of what brought me to what I'm doing now. Right which is the kiosk kitchen. Right. So we're take a quick break, pay some bills. And then I can't wait to hear how you're going to, how are you going to work this thing? We'll be right back. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth and the hearty proteins or just mushrooms for vegetarians. It'll have you saying, Ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? on the menu. Here in St. Pete, we have a special place that's unlike any other barbecue joint. Dr. Barbecue is a restaurant for foodies. Dr. Barbecue is also the dude that's a barbecue hall of famer that won over 400 competitions. We'd say he knows a thing or two about barbecue, but let's hear from the man himself. Hey, it's Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. A couple of years ago, after almost 40 years of cooking barbecue, I decided to open a restaurant and St. Petersburg was the perfect spot. I'd been living here for 10 years, so why not? 
At Dr. Barbecues, we cook all our meats the old school way in our huge smokers over oak wood, low and slow. Even the most critical experts agree that we've got the best barbecue in town. But it's not just about the meats. We've got great house-made sides, handcrafted sandwiches, and even a healthy selection of vegan and vegetarian options. Add in a really fun brunch, two bars, and a friendly staff, and I think you'll be glad you joined us. We're at 1101 First Avenue South in the Edge District, right by the roundabout. Get yourself to Dr. Barbecue, pronto. We are back! We are back! We are back with Chef A.J. Lambden, the founder and operator of Kiosk Kitchen St. Pete. So, this is very interesting. Yes. And... Mm-hmm. Do we have a launch date for the first one? Uh, yeah, so we're actually in the development stages right now. Um, the targeted launch date is going to be the third quarter of 21. So mm-hmm. that's when we'll actually be introducing a prototype to the marketplace. Uh, we've identified five different types of market that we're going to introduce this to. Uh, and what we, we're looking to do with it is, is really kind of see where our market fit is and where our our pocket is kind of our niche mm-hmm. and uh, really excited, really excited. It's um, it's been a lot of fun working on this and, you know, I, you know, during the pandemic, I think everybody will agree. Like you had to do something with your time. Well, I chose to take up multiple business courses from university of London, uh, university awesome. school of warden. You know, I ended up, you know, taking, I think three or four certificate courses. And I was like, well, I need to do something with this, you know, and mm-hmm. I kind of looked at, you know, what capabilities, assets and experience do I have and what can I do with this? And, you know, it kind of came to me on a whim one day. I was with uh, with uh, the girl I was seeing at the time and she had, you know, a few specific dietary needs. She was gluten free. She was soy free and she chose to eat really healthy. And we noticed that there was this huge lack of open availability for healthy, nutritious food that, that actually tasted good mm-hmm. and that was available around the clock. And I said, well, you know, there's, there's gotta be an opportunity there. So I set out to find the solution and that's kind of how kiosk kitchen was born. So one description I saw is interactive dining station. And I thought, what the, what? <laughs> so so interactive probably isn't the best capture of it, but the way that we describe it is it's a, it's a chef prepared nutritionist sculpted meals, hot and ready from an innovative dining platform, essentially. So uh, our, 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 our uh, I believe it's acronym uh, that we are really falling in love with is DINE, which stands for Delicious Innovative Nutritional Experience. Uh, we're trying to bring kind of a new way we're reframing and, and, and restructuring the way that people think about what they eat and where they get it from. Right. And when you say we, you have a partner in this? Uh, so I am the sole founder. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a team of advisors and we're currently building a board to go into a, a very aggressive investment phase. Gotcha. Yeah. I saw uh, one of the posts on the uh, Instagram for kiosk kitchen uh, showed you along with three other people. One person was a, a tech person. There's a fine, was a finance person. And was the other one a nutritionist? 
they're all my advisors. So I have three advisors currently. Uh, I've got Luke Laws, who is an amazing uh, digital coding and technology expert, uh, who advises me on all of the technical aspects of the development in tandem with our manufacturing design and uh, engineering firm that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, Tracy David, who is a godsend. She is a 3X founder. She has over 3,000 entrepreneurial success stories. Uh, and she is truthfully just a, a light to be around. And she, when things get tough or difficult or challenging, she's great to have around to just say, look, you're here. You've done this. Stick with it. Right. And then I have my kind of personal mentor uh, that's been with me since day one, Howard Braun. Uh, who I'd I'd like to give a quick shout out to Howard Braun, go Bolts. He and I, among many other conversations, he's always kind of kept me looking at the end and and starting with the why and figuring out where we want to be and then working backwards from there. So I've been really blessed to have a great team of of support that have really helped me bring this to where it is now and that will help me continue to bring this to the finish line. So So how is this going to work logistically and technically? So I will try and give you as much information as I can without, you know, divulging anything critical or sensitive. But essentially what we're doing is we are taking what most people would consider uh, as like high quality meal prep, if you will. Uh, And what we're doing is we are giving it the care and attention of a chef prepared restaurant quality meal. We are specializing it uh, nutritionally. Uh, from a nutritionist aspect to meet specific dietary specs when it comes to macro levels, uh, your carbs, your proteins, your fats, and so on. And then what we've done is we've created this new delivery platform or delivery system. So it's all produced in a central kitchen hub. And then what we do is we are going to place these uh, dining kiosks throughout the municipality. And what it'll do is it'll give the the guests uh, the opportunity to have an omnipresent nutritional outlet throughout the the city uh, that's available 24 7 365 it allows us to do a lot of things so at the so say i'm at the kiosk how many Mm -hmm. choices might i have so right now the way that we have it structured is you have keto paleo vegan and vegetarian meal options and then we also offer traditional so you have five different menus, if you will, to choose from, each of which will have anywhere from four to eight offerings available to choose from. Uh, The other great thing that we're doing um, is we're working on being able to essentially provide a family, or sorry, provide a meal to a family of four in under two and a half minutes is our goal. You're crazy. You're crazy. Hmm. Wow. That's impressive. So does that mean that is there someone there that's doing final prep and heating? No. So we're, we're developing this platform and the technology inside of it to actually heat the meals. Uh, and we have a 100% composable and zero waste model. Hmm. The machines themselves are actually going to be running on natural uh, replenishable resources. So zero carbon effect uh, and, and emissions. So for us, it was about having a responsible offering and having responsible practices in the way that we went about delivering this food to the to the guests. So when you say, will there be actual delivery available or you just go to the kiosk to get the food? 
So for our first phase, uh, we're going to offer it only from the kiosks until we're omnipresent. So our goal is to have 50 of these units in St. Pete by the end of 2022. Wow. Um, wow. But at some point, we will explore a, a direct-to-consumer model if it makes sense. Uh, I think that there's going to need to be some, some market testing to, to validate that. Uh, I don't know that that's, that's going to be one of our strengths, but honestly, mm -hmm. we haven't gotten to that bridge yet. And right now we're just solely focused on bringing these platforms to market and, and giving the offering to, to the guests uh, and, and making this available to everyone. Okay. So there's a central kitchen where the food is made. And then I guess yep. you're, then you have to get that food to the kiosk. So some, somebody's going to bring it there. And then I guess it's, is it, then refrigerate it, keep fresh. And then yep. when it's ordered at the time of the order placement, you then have technology inside this thing that warms up the food. Correct. And, yeah. It'll heat it up wow. to uh, proper temperatures within two and a half minutes. So, so how large are these kiosks? If I can, uh, about, so I can wrap my brain around yeah. what this might look like. <laughs> So I don't know if you've ever seen any of like the automated retail kiosks that are in like the airports that mm -hmm. have the headphones. So very similar size, kind of six by six by three, hmm. give or take some dimensions there. So, so use, it's, it's, it's a, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so will you see the food displayed like you would in one of those kiosks at the airport? Uh, no, the, the whole idea around this is to make it as aesthetically pleasing from the outside. So we're going to have some really, uh, kind of unique ways of disguising the machine as, uh, as aesthetically as we can, but it's definitely going to be uh, attractive to the eye. Mm -hmm. And it's also going to have a few features that make it unique in its uh, engagement with the guests. So okay. uh, can't go too far into that. I get that um, I'm getting into but, the, the that area. I understand. <laughs> well, that's okay. What I can say is, is, is imagine watch, walking up to one of these kiosks and on a large LED screen, you're actually greeted by a chef, a digital chef, obviously. Cool. Uh, and he says, you know, hi, welcome to Kiosk Kitchen. What can I prepare for you? So that's when you'd be able to have the option to uh, either from your mobile phone or from our user interface, be able to uh, browse our selection, uh, find an offering that meets your specific dietary requirement or just your appetite, uh, make your selection, make your payment through your mobile uh, phone or on the kiosk as well. And then in two and a half minutes, you're ready to go. Wow. This is not what I was expecting at all. That's mind blowing. <laughs> really cool. So how's really cool, AJ? It is. So <laughs> are you, where are you along the product development stage as far as the kiosk goes? Prototyping? We're in we're in final technical data packaging right now, so we're basically buttoning it up, and we are working through the beta testing stage when it comes to the software on the back end uh, and its integration in the mechanics of the machine itself. So uh, there's a lot of you know kind of technical terms that you know I didn't know before this, but I could throw a bunch of acronyms out there. But <laughs> you know, we're basically integrating our APIs and our PLCs to make the food come out. So okay. gotcha. API, I know what's PLC, uh, program limitation controllers. So it's essentially the, the computer's way of telling the machine to drop the food, heat the food, dispense the food. Cool. Awesome. So I am, I am assuming that you have, uh, patented this or are working on it. Uh, we, we do have, uh, at least six submissions currently for pending. Yep. 
Cool. And it's being worked on at a top secret location. Ah. So it, so you're probably like putting on disguises and stuff when you leave the house. So, <laughs> so no one stops you. No, thankfully, we were really lucky to uh, coordinate a partnership with a local manufacturing and design firm here that's been in business for multiple decades that has probably the most experience of any that we came across. Uh, and we, we love the fact that we kind of get to have a hometown hero for a lot of different reasons, for serviceability, for parts and manufacturing. Uh, so it really worked out and we're extremely lucky to have them. And I would love to give them a shout out, but unfortunately I can't right. give that away at this time. Not yet. Right. So where would we expect to see these placed? So right now we're going to be targeting uh, airport bus and sorry, bus, plane, and train terminals, uh, upscale apartment buildings and amenity-based housing, uh, as well as gyms for the athlete side, and then also school campuses, factories, mm. and co-shared workspaces and corporate office spaces. Yeah, you know, uh, college is probably a great place. Interestingly enough, it's total opposite on the, the food spectrum of things, but I was watching on History Channel, they have a series about the history of food in the U.S. and they call it uh, snack size because they're like just brief little twenty-minute things. One of the ones I watched was on pizza, and they said, you know, Domino's. They decided their thing was going to be delivery, and you know, back in I think it was in the '80s, they had the thirty-minute guarantee or it's free. But where they really hit pay dirt was when they started placing themselves by college campuses, mm-hmm. because now you got a ton of people in one spot, and they want they want pizza, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is, is, um, you know, that's why we want to have these, these five initial units in market, because we want to place them in these different markets and we want to just see the data. We want to see the traffic. We want to get as much information as we can, because there's platforms similar, but there's no one really doing anything like this. So to be able to go out and just buy the market research is not available to us. But what our machines do allow us to do is get the most expansive data capture when it comes to providing demographic data of pretty much any other platform. There's a few that have similar, but uh, but the idea is, you know, a lot of people don't know this. You know, if athletes know this, I'm sure. But um, one of the reasons we're targeting gyms is because the most important time after a workout to get the nutritional value at its peak is within the first 27 minutes after your workout. So Mm -hmm. being able to be available with these nutritious options right there, as soon as they're done, we think that's going to give us a lot of traction. But again, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And we're excited to have identified these markets and we we look forward to to being there and, and letting people try touch, taste and feel these. Yeah. I can't wait. So we, we shouldn't expect to find any just randomly around downtown St. Pete. I would love to speak to that. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there, there may or may not be some other things in the works that maybe, would maybe. allow these to be in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's little by little people are starting to, you know, work a little bit less from home and getting out of the house. And, uh, you know, one of the trends that was really up and coming when COVID hit was a uh, co-workspaces too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Co-shared workspaces, uh, I, I personally, my office in downtown is in a co-shared workspace and, and they're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of corporations have adapted that model and recognized its value. And I, I, I truthfully, with the 
amount of them that are currently getting ready to open or have already opened, I think it's something that's probably going to be around for a while. So, mm-hmm. uh, totally. you know, you got to adapt, you know, just like, you know, kiosk was a strategic pivot from a meal prep company. You know, these, these people, given the, the, the climate of the pandemic, you know, everyone's had to adapt in one way or another. And, uh, this was our adaptation. It's exciting. I love the creativeness, the entrepreneurialism. Yes. It's awesome. Thank you. And the website is kiosk.kitchen.com. K-I-O-S-K. K-I-T-C-H-E-N, kioskkitchen.com. AJ Lambden, thank you so much. Yes, AJ, thank you. Guys, thank you so much. It's great to see you. Yeah, great to see you too. Same here. We will be right back with St. Pete Meat and Provisions, the latest creation we made from there. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media. You know, the Tampa NPR folks. Every Thursday, host Dahlia Cologne shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene. The key lime actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called limeys when they found out that they put it in their barrels of water to get rid of that brackish well-watered taste, they uh, didn't get scurvy anymore, so they wanted them in all their ports in the tropics, so they took the seeds and planted them. So that's how we ended up with key limes down here. We invite you to listen to The Zest on your favorite podcast app or at thezestpodcast.com. Tell Tell them St. Pete Foodie sent you. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oats Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town. And on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe open daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. So I have a little update on St. Pete Meat and Provisions. The expansion is happening. They already have the cheese and charcuterie in, and they keep getting a whole bunch of new things. They're, oh, they are actually curing all of their own meats in-house and making their own charcuterie from scratch. So cool. And at some point in the future, we're going to go in and see if we can photograph, maybe even video some of that process. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And some other new things. We talked about this last time, the Bajang Caribbean Chicken was so brand new. It was like just made when I walked in. It wasn't even on the website or menu yet, but it is a regular steady item now since uh, 
Matt Bonanno is making them in-house. Right. And what we made most recently, so before the only chicken thighs they offered were boneless, skinless, which are delicious, mm-hmm. but we do like our chicken skin. We do. So now they have, we, we got this time skin on boneless chicken thighs. And I asked Erica about that and she said, well, some things are still fluctuating. So if you're going in specifically for that, you might want to check in advance. Right, right. So because she said she can't keep up with the website with what's in and what's not because so many new things are coming in and some things are being rotated out. So we could just kind of got lucky. We didn't even know we were getting skin. I on. know we were thrilled. And we made baked boneless chicken thighs with roasted potatoes and stir fried vegetable medley. Oh my God. That was one of the best meals you've ever made, <laughs> honey. Thank you. Yeah. I knew it was so good that we couldn't stop eating it to the point that our stomachs hurt. I ate the entire plate full and I didn't mean to. Yeah, that's like double for you. It is. It is. Now, I did do the vegetables. You did. So, <laughs> obviously, as I said, the chicken thighs came from St. Pete Meat and Provisions. The recipes for the chicken and the potatoes came from delish.com. Mm-hmm. Delish.com. I have mm-hmm. to give credit where credit's due. You know, so I made those. You made the stir fry, as you said, of bell peppers, asparagus, and shiitake mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And What's really cool, and I didn't say this in the post I made, I was eating leftovers of that yesterday, and the vegetables, I think you got, you're not supposed to, they call, there's a thing called wok high, and it's a special like essence that real woks that, that are like 3,000 degrees give to the food, mm-hmm. and supposedly that doesn't happen when you're cooking at home on a stove with a wok, but somehow I think it did. Maybe it was because I used the good olive oil. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so... St. Pete Meat and Provisions provides the highest restaurant quality meat, including from local independent farms and ranchers where the animals are free range and pasture raised, treated humanely and raised with care. You'll never find items from large national food suppliers at St. Pete Meat. And some of the offerings include beef, poultry, pork, and lamb. They have steaks, burgers, and the burgers are they're grinding themselves mm-hmm. in-house. Short ribs, chicken cuts, duck breasts, duck legs. They even have quail legs eggs did i say legs you said eggs they don't, okay good <laughs> duck eggs and they're all local and farm fresh and chicken eggs yes and they also have uh some wagyu steaks that wagyu burgers they have australian wagyu american wagyu house-made sausage the spicy italian sausage is awesome because it's actually spicy right i hate when you buy stuff that says spicy and you're like yeah to who Right, exactly, I know. So St. Pete Meat and Provisions is located at 449 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. The hours are 10.30 a.m. to 7 p.m., seven days a week. How convenient. Fabulous. I like that. And the website is stpetemeat.com. Don't go away or you're going to miss out on the next bit of info. Ooh. We'll be right back. This is Chris Walker, and you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. We have six new items on the website. Tutu Bene is a newish Italian restaurant in Gulfport, and they've been receiving rave reviews from everybody for months now, so we had to have Haley check it out for us, and she agrees. Tutu Bene, definitely have to check it out. There's a new review of them on the website. Also, we have a whole bunch of uh, new 10 best lists. We have Italian restaurants, the best wings, Mexican tacos, and the best octopus dishes for 2021. 
We also last week announced the winners for the St. Pete Foodies Restaurant Awards. You'll find all of that and more at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the show, our guest is the beverage director from Dats Group, Dean Hurst. Dean is an expert in all things tiki, and we had quite an intriguing conversation with him. If you want to get in touch, drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Chef A.J. Lambden. Thanks to St. Pete Meat and Provisions for the chicken. And thanks to our sponsors. Trophy Fish. Dr. Barbecues. Rolling Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. At least once a year, I like to bring in some of my Kevin's famous chili. The trick is to undercook the onions. Everybody is going to get to know each other in the pot.